0: all right shabbat shalom one more time welcome to the late late show here at the unexpected cosmology you know we're going into the sabbath and and scripture commands that we work six days on the seventh we rest uh so those of us who keep you know who are sabbath keepers we refer to fridays as being preparation day and it's where you're trying to put in that extra effort amongst your busy week to make sure you're ready to rest on sabbath and um it's it's really exciting to prepare for it for me though in the last several months it's it's like reached this point where like you can see i'm in uh, my office right now a hotel room and i come here i check in i I have to study for my tour portions the more i get up like i got up today it it was up at seven i think it was um with my little daughter on my lap and I'm, I'm studying for my tour portions i got through all the studying by 12 1230, grabbed a quick lunch headed over to the hotel room came here did all my recordings for the week then we did our meetup which was great on discord i encourage everyone to come every uh friday night to the uh to the meetups uh, and you know talk in person ask me questions just talk to each other have a great time and then i went into my tour portions and now i'm in this and trying to keep awake trying to get through this and it's become like if you could imagine a marathon, you know, you're, or you're just running a big race. It's always the very end of the race where the crowd is and they see you, you're coming in, you're exhausted, right? Like you just, you're dying and you just, you see the finish line up there and you're just trying to make that last lap. And everyone's like watching. That's what I feel like on Friday nights, where it's like I, I'm trying to get that extra burst of energy to get through this. And I'm telling you guys, uh, like with my Fridays with you know how late I go like one o'clock you know Eastern time where I'm finishing up in the morning uh I get home and man I just crash and I rest on my Sabbath so I hope you guys do too anyways let's get through this a great comment here um from Kurt he said I'm Norwegian and I live by the coast up north yet I've never heard of anyone seeing those creatures now uh, I'll make sure to ask any fishermen I talk to in the future. That would be great. Uh, so last week, now these, this book was written in the late 1800s. Uh, he was a you know contemporary of Charles Darwin and those guys, uh, and he was a British guy, I believe. Um, and he we he went into accounts last week in Norway in the the northern sea there, which was really interesting. That these these sea serpents were only seen in July, August, maybe the first couple weeks of September. It had to be warm weather, sunny and it had to be very calm no wind water had to be completely calm and they would come up and like sunbathe and that kind of stuff um but very cold wet waters and they're they're not I mean if there were reports in South America and Australia we either haven't gotten there yet or he didn't collect them um we got a lot from there very stunning stories we looked at the UK and the stories there and then he went over to Boston in New England, and he did some stuff there. And we went through uh, several reports of this huge ship where like hundreds of people saw uh, sea serpents. And one thing that was really um, uh, unique or stunning about all these is that all the all the stories, all the different witnesses agreed they saw it in August or July. August, hot weather, um, cool waters, no wind and you know all very similar to each other um the sea serpents act, act all the same way they never attack people unless if they were assaulted uh, provoked uh, like shot at or something like that and then they would just go charging uh you know at the boat and so on and so forth um, i'll just put this here what douglas wrote all right so let's go ahead and start reading this i think this is where we left off and i'll see how much i can get through tonight the Times of February 5th, 1858, contains a statement made by Captain Harrington of the ship Castilian and certified to by his chief and second officers as follows. Ship Castilian, December 12th, 1857. So you guys, just a refresher, you see that these, these sea serpent sightings, they got less and less and less. It's kind of like in whenever the mud flood event happened 1800-ish or the mud flood event, when the lights went on, like there were still sea serpents being seen uh but they were being seen less and less and less and at this time they were told that they were myth and um you know you, you look at the the ancients they totally believed it was legit so you know history just keeps getting scrubbed and scrubbed and scrubbed over and over again and i'm very grateful for the accounts that we have here in this book um at 6:30 p.m strong breezes and cloudy ships sailing about 12 miles per hour while myself and officers were standing on the lee side of the poop looking towards the island we were startled by the sight of a huge marine animal which reared its head out of the water within 20 yards of the ship when it suddenly disappeared for about half a minute uh and uh, so this would be dark interesting this is the first time we've seen one in dark 6 30 p.m in December uh it's uh the sun has got to be down at this point I'm trying to figure out where this is but um when it suddenly disappeared for about half a minute and then made its appearance in the same manner again showing us distinctly its neck and head about 10 or 12 feet out of the water which is pretty high 10 or 12 feet out of the water most people would see it about two feet two to three feet above the water uh but there are some stories of them going up to the mass its head was shaped like a long nun buoy and I suppose the diameter to have been seven or eight feet in the largest part, with a kind of scroll or a tuft of loose skin encircling it about two feet from the top. The water was discolored for several hundred feet from its head, so much so that on its first appearance, my impression was that the ship was in broken water produced, as a, I suppose, by some volcanic agency since the last time I had passed the island. But the second appearance completely dispelled those fears and assured us that it was a monster of extraordinary length. <laughs> His his fears are dispelled. Oh, never mind. It's it's not a volcano. It's just a sea monster. Never mind, guys. No need to be afraid. And assured us that it was a monster of extraordinary length, which appeared to be moving along slowly towards the land. The ship was going too fast to enable us to reach the masthead in time to form a correct estimate of its extreme length. But from what we saw from the deck, we conclude that it must have been over two hundred feet long the uh the boat the boatswain now usually they're seen to be like 70 to 100 feet we have seen a couple of this long um the boatswain and several of the crew who observed it from the top gallant forecastle state that it was more than double the length of the ship in which case it must have been 500 feet Hmm. by be that as it may I am convinced that it belonged to the serpent tribe the serpent tribe It was of a dark color about the head and was covered with several white spots. A writer in the New York Sun, I have the clipping, but unfortunately not the date, discussing the best authenticated story says, the Lynn sea serpent appears to be the most authentic, the writer having seen several persons who saw it from the beach and knowing others personally or by reputation. The first animal of this kind seen about Lynn was in 1638 and was seen by Dr. John Joseph. And again, another was observed in 1819 by Mr. Cabot. Amos Lawrence, one of the pillars of old Boston, said, I have never had any doubt of the existence of the sea serpent since the morning he was seen off Nahant by old Marshall Prince through his famous mass spyglass. So I'm assuming this is still a Massachusetts area uh, close to Boston. For within the next two hours, I conversed with Samuel uh, Cabot Cabot and Daniel P. Parker, I think, and one or more, per- he thinks, he's not sure if he spoke with Daniel P. Parker or not, I guess. So, and one or more persons besides who had spent a part of that morning in witnessing its movements. In addition, Colonel Harris, the commander at Fort Independence, told me that the creature had been seen by a number of his soldiers while standing sentry at early dawn, sometime before this show at Nahant. And Colonel Harris believed it was it as firmly as though the creature were drawn up before us in State Street where we then were where we then were. Such is the history of the Linsea serpent. And the following is an extract from the report of the Linnean Society of Boston made by Dr. Bigelow from FC Gray. The monster was from 80 to 90 feet long. His head usually carried about two feet above the water. So there again is again right because they they're going in this rhythm like this and the, the the head never really got far usually above two feet. It seems like, I almost get the picture that when they w- rose really high up, it was you know, in an attempt, almost the same way when you know other animals will uh, make themselves look bigger, right? He's trying to s- scare people off like a snake. The body of a dark brown color with 30 or 40 more uh, protuberances compared by some to four gallon kegs, by others to a string of buoys, and called by some bunches on the back motion's very rapid faster than those of a whale swimming a mile in 3 minutes and sometimes more leaving a wake behind him chasing mackerel herrings and other fish which were seen jumping out of the water 50 at a time as he approached um that's re- so i'm here at the the ocean we're living here on on the gulf and I, I i can envision that the fish jumping out because i've seen that when the sharks come through And you can know when the sharks are out there and the the fish will sometimes like just be just hopping. And then the birds come down. He only came to the surface of the sea in calm and bright weather. A skillful gunner fired at him from our boat and having taken good aim, felt sure he must have hit him on the head. The creature turned towards him, then dived under the boat and reappeared 100 yards on the other side. In February of 1846, the letter was printed in the various newspapers signed by Captain Lawson giving a description of a monstrous snake seen by him from his vessel off Cape Charles and Henry. The length was stated at 100 feet, and on the back were seen sharp projections. The head was small in proportion to the length. I next append a few short statements which have appeared at various dates in The Public Prints. The News of the World, September 28, 1879, states that Captain J. F. Cox, master of the British ship Privateer, which arrived at Delaware Breakwater on September 9th from London, says on August 5th, 100 miles west of Brest, uh, France, weather fine and clear at, at 5 p.m. As I was walking the quarter deck, I saw something black rise out of the water about 20 feet and shaped like an immense snake of three feet diameter. It was about 300 yards from the ship coming towards us. It turned its head partly from us and went down with a great splash after staying up about five seconds but rose again three times at intervals of 10 seconds until it had turned completely from us and was going from us at a great speed and making the water boil all around it. I could see its eyes and shape perfectly. It was like a great eel or snake, but as black as coal tar and appeared to be making great exertions to get away from the ship. I have seen many kinds of fish in five different oceans, but was never favored with a sight of the great snake before. The Singapore Daily News, April 6, 1878. In its Australian news, quotes from Wellington, New Zealand, February 26. This month corresponds with August north of the line. The captain of the steamship, Durham, reports having seen a monster serpent off uh, Neroas Island. 30 feet of the monster was visible out of the water. The crew and passengers corroborate the report. The Australian, if I can get my... uh, out there we go the australian sketcher for november 24th 1877 states captain wh nelson of the american ship sacramento which arrived in this port from new york on october 20th reported that he saw the sea serpent on his voyage the argus now i i'm a little confused and I, I see this ship captain coming from new york but australia so the australian sketcher we'll see uh, before this far south now. The Argus paragraph on the subject stated, the date on which the creature was seen was on July 30th, the ship then being in latitude 31 degrees 59 north and longitude 37 west. The man at the wheel was the first to observe the monster, and he at once called Captain Nilsson, telling him what he saw. But the later, having the same feeling of incredulity with regard to the sea serpent as most other people, did not hurry from below. On coming on deck, however, he was rewarded with a distant glimpse of the supposed sea serpent, which the held uh, with the helmsman for his part. All right, what do we have a picture of here? Uh, is this the, uh, oh, so this is what was seen from Sacramento, July 30th, 1877. This was in the Australian sketcher newspaper. okay so where were we um okay so which the um helmsman for his part uh declared he saw quite plainly some 40 feet of the monster was alleged to be observable it appeared to be about the size of a flower barrel in girth and its color was yellowish the head is described as being flat the eyes were plainly visible captain nelson is convinced that what he saw was some extraordinary marine monster we have obtained from John Hart, the man at the wheel, a pencil sketch of the creature, of which we give an engraving, which I just showed you. The sketch is accomplished with a further description, in which the writer says, This is a correct sketch of the sea serpent seen by me while on board the ship Sacramento on her passage from New York to Melbourne, I being at the wheel at the time. It had the body of a very large snake. Its length appeared to me to be about 50 feet or 60 feet. Its head was like an alligator's. I always like when they don't. Uh, when you see reports like this, like he could have been like, "Oh, it was two hundred feet long," but he's like, "No, it was fifty feet or sixty feet." He reported as he saw it. Its head. Its head was like an alligator's, with a pair of flippers about ten feet from its head. Interesting. The color was of a reddish brown. At the time seen, it was lying perfectly still, with its head raised about three feet above the surface of the sea. And as it got 30 or 40 feet astern, it dropped its head. I confess that I do not attach much weight to this last example, from the suspicious resemblance which the illustration given in the sketcher bears to an alligator, suggesting the possibility such a creature may have been blown by winds or carried by currents to the position where it was seen. Huh. So he's saying he's describing uh, or maybe like a crocodile, right? It is like a saltwater crocodile, I guess, but I mean, that would be huge. I mean, this would be bigger than the one that swallowed Captain Hook or uh, ate his hand, I should say. It is true that Mr. Goss quotes the size of the largest alligator on record as only 17 feet and a half, right? Actually, they probably got bigger than that, but whereas the estimated length of the supposed sea serpent in this instance was from 40 to 60. But against that may be argue, the difficulty of estimating lengths or heights when you have Buddy Short inspection and no object immediately near with which to institute a comparison. Well, I am, which is funny, I was like impressed with the story, and the writer He's like, "Yeah, I'm not impressed by this one. Um, maybe he's, he's throwing the skeptics a bone. Why well, I'm by no means certain that Mr. Gossi's maximum is correct. Dr. Dennys of Singapore has assured me that some years back an alligator, approaching 30 feet in length, haunted for some days the small tidal creek which runs through and for some miles above that town can you imagine that a 30 uh well first of all this is are there alligators in Singapore I was thinking there would be crocodiles um but 30 feet is massive that is a massive beast uh, if that thing would just open its mouth you could crawl into it well I very well remember Mr Gregory the surveyor General of Queensland informing me that in the rivers in the north of that colony there were alligators and these have to be crocodiles so Apparently, this writer doesn't unfortunately know what a alligator versus a crocodile is. But or maybe back then scientifically they just they were all alligators. I'd have to check. I don't really know. You know, when when did they start making a big deal about the crocodiles? Uh there were alligators equaling in length a whaleboat, say 28 feet. That's massive. The graphic of April 19th, 1879, containing a dr- so, I mean, think about that. Like not that long ago, guys, there were 30 foot crocodiles just walking around just 200 years ago the graphic of April 19, 1879 contains a drawing of a marine monster seen from SS city of Baltimore in the Gulf of Aden January 28th the descriptive letter press is as follows the following is an abstract of the account given by our correspondent major HWI senior of the Bengal staff Corps, of uh, the staff Corps. To whom we are indebted for the sketch from which then um you can see here that, you know it's not the greatest sketch i guess and look, two guys look look there's a sea serpent you can see it up there with its head rising up out of the water kind of a wake being formed around it um from our which our engraving is taken on the 20th january 1879 at about 10 a.m i was on the poop deck of the steamship city of baltimore I observed a long black object, a beam of the ship's stern on the starboard side at a distance of about 3 quarters of a mile, darting rapidly out of the water and splashing in again with a noise distinctly audible and advancing nearer and nearer at a rapid pace. In a minute, it had advanced to within half a mile and was distinctly recognizable as the veritable sea serpent. I shouted out, sea serpent, sea serpent, call the captain. I guess that's him in the illustration there, (laughs) pointing and yelling. Dr. C. Hall, the ship's surgeon who was reading on deck, jumped up in time to see the monster, as did also Miss Greenfield, one of the passengers on board. By this time, it was, up, it was only about 500 yards off and a little in the rear, owing to the vessel, then steaming at the rate of about 10 knots an hour in a westerly direction. On approaching the wake of the ship, the serpent turned its course a little way and was soon lost to view in the blaze of sunlight reflected on the waves of the sea. So rapid were its movements that when it approached the ship's wake, I seized the telescope but could not catch a view as it darted rapidly out of the field of the glass before i could see it i was thus prevented from ascertaining whether it had scales or not but the best view of the monster obtainable when it was about three cables length that is about 500 yards distance seemed to show that it was without scales hmm. that would make it an unclean creature this is what we're trying to figure out is a sea serpent clean or unclean because that that would determine whether it could be classified as a Leviathan or not it has to have scales and fins and if not no scales you know you catch it throw it back I cannot however speak with certainty the head and neck about two feet in diameter rose out of the water to a height of about 20 or 30 feet and the monster opened its jaws as wide as it rose and closed them again as it lowered its head and darted forward for a dive reappearing almost immediately some 100 yards ahead The body was not visible at all, it must have been some depth underwater, as the disturbance on the surface was too slight to attract notice, although occasionally a splash was seen at some distance behind the head. The shape of the head was not unlike pictures of the dragon I have often seen, with a bulldog appearance of the forehead and eyebrows. When the monster had drawn its head sufficiently out of the water, it let itself drop, as it were, like a huge log of wood, prior to darting forward under the water. Major senior's statement is countersigned by the two persons whom he mentions as co-witnesses. When in Singapore in 1880, I received the personal testimony of Captain Anderson, at that time chief officer of the Pluto, property of the Straits government, and formerly a commander in the P&O company service. Captain Anderson assured me that he had twice seen large sea serpents. Once off Ushant, when he was a chief officer of the Delta in 1861, no account was entered in the log nor any notice sent to the newspapers for fear of ridicule. On that occasion, I bet that happened probably more often than not. It's interesting, too, that you know, it's like because you know, the attention seekers, right? There's this idea that you know, you want your attention seekers, you get the press, you get your 15 minutes of fame, and it just it it, it dirties the laundry, right? It just dirties everything and it. And so people who generally see it they're like i don't want to be made a ridicule uh, or a mockery like i saw what i saw and i'm just you know i'm not gonna report it. i figured it's like that with sasquatch all the time on that occasion the whole ship's company saw it it was five miles distant and showed 15 feet of its body out of the water it resembled a snake with a large fringe around the neck it appeared to be traveling and moved its head to and fro like a snake it never spouted and was observed for a quarter of an hour 15 minutes that's a good That's a good time. The second occasion was in the Red Sea. Wow. When he was in command of the Sumatra on the outward trip in October or November 1877. Off Mocha, he saw an animal five miles distance and lifted the body high out of the water like a snake. All exclaimed, there is the sea serpent, but no entry was made in the law or report made of it. The same creature was, however, seen shortly after by a man of war close to Suez and reported. In 1881, I once more had the personal testimony of an eyewitness. Mr. J.H. Hoare of the pilot station Shanghai, China, informed me that he saw a sea serpent some years previously when he was stationed at Ningpo on the China coastline, a little south of the uh, embouchure of the uh, the Yangtze Kian. He was at the time on the lookout for a vessel from the top of the bank of lochu island Chinsing, on the southern side of the island fronting the six mile passage this island lies east of worth point the hill he was on was about 150 feet high the snake distant about 250 yards the depth of water seven fathoms his attention was directed to it by a group of chinamen calling out she which means snake he saw it lying on the surface of the water resembling two mass of a junk end to end but with a slight interval presently it rose slightly and then appeared all in one extended flat upon the surface of the water he examined it with his glass and noticed the eye which appeared to be as big as a coffee saucer and slate colored the head was flat on the top a lot of those flat heads he asked a lot of people you know they almost describe it like a horse head right because they it's kind of long but flat he estimated the length at formed 120 to 140 feet. He learned that it was the third occasion of its being seen in that place within eight years. An account was published in one of the local journals by Mr. Sloman from the statements of the Chinese observers. Mr. Hoor was prevented from doing the same by the fear of being ridiculed. I may note that there is a bay not far from the spot among the Chusan Islands which has long been credited with being the abode of a great sea dragon and in passing over which junks take certain superstitious precautions. I have little doubt of the identity of the sea serpent with the sea dragon of the Chinese. Dr. Denny says, of course, our old friend, the sea serpent, turns up on the coast of China and the description of him does not greatly differ from the, that recorded elsewhere. According to a popular legend, the uh, Qiantang River was at one time infested by a great, I guess that'd be a kiao or sea serpent. And in 1129 AD, a district graduate is said to have heroically thrown himself into the flood to encounter and destroy the monster. It has already been noted that most of the river, where's my mouse? Why is this not working? It has already been noted that most of the river gods are supposed to appear in the form of water snakes and that the sea serpent noticed in Chinese records have always infested the mouths of rivers. The Reverend Mr. Butler of the Presbyterian Mission in Ningpo informed me that a dragon which threatened boats was supposed supposed by the Chinese to infest a narrow passage called Huomeng outside of Chennai. Formerly, there were two of them in the neighborhood which were very furious and frequently upset boats. They had to be appeased by a yearly offering of a girl of fair appearance and perfect body. Oh, dear. At last, one of the literati determined to stop this. He armed himself and jumped into the water. Blood rose to the surface. He had killed one of the dragons. The other retired to the narrow place. A temple was erected to the hero at Peach Blossom Ferry. It may be noted that both the Malays and the Chinese attribute the origin of uh, M- Amber, uh, Ambergris to either a sea dragon or a sea serpent. Thus, in the description of Amberger, Ambergris Island or Dragon Spittle Island contained in the History of the Ming Dynasty, Book 325, from which an extract is given in translation by Mr. W. P. Gro, uh, Groenvelt in his notes on the Malay. Archipelago and Malacca compiled from Chinese sources. We find it stated that, quote, the island has the appearance of a single mountain and is situated in the Sea of Lambri at a distance of one day and one night from Sumatra. It rises abruptly out of the sea, which breaks on its uh, on it with high waves. Every spring, numerous dragons come together to play on this island, and they leave behind their spittle. The natives afterwards go in canoes to the spot and collect this this spittle which they take with them. The dragon spittle is at first like fat, of a black and yellow color, and with a fishy smell. By length of time, it contracts into large lumps, and these are also found in the belly of a large fish of the size of the Chinese peck, and also with a fishy smell. When burnt, it has a pure and delicious fragrance. It is sold in the market of Sumatra, one tail official weight, costing 12 golden coins of that country, and one catty, 192 of such pieces, equal to about 9,000 Chinese copper cash, and so it is not very cheap. Dr. F. Porter-Smith states that there can be no doubt that the costly, odorous, light yellow gummy substance found floating on the sea, or procured from the belly of some large fish in the Indian Ocean, and known by the Chinese in the present day as lung sin, or dragon's spittle, is actually ambergris the dragon is said to cough it up. A similar substance called Ki Tiao Chi, brought from Canton and Fu in former days, is said to be the egg of the dragon or a kind of sea serpent named Ki Tiao. The name Ki Tiao is singularly like the Greek name for a sea monster. One of the most remarkable accounts of sea monsters, which I believe to be thoroughly trustworthy, is of an, at, is of an animal scene in the Malacca Straits in 1876. The first notice of it appeared in the Straits Times overland journal for September 18th, 1876 in the form of a short editorial. Our friend, Mr. Henry Lee, Mr. Henry Lee of Land and Water, who in his late work has taken so much trouble to enter into and describe the habits and peculiarities of the sea serpent, we'll be glad to hear that the passengers and officers of the SS Nestor, which arrived here this morning, are unanimous in in the conclusion and vouch for the fact that an extraordinary sea monster was seen by them between Malacca and Penang on their voyage to this port on Monday about noon. It was about 250 feet long, about 50 feet broad, square-headed with black and yellow stripes closely resembling a salamander. This was followed on the succeeding day by a letter from the captain. Sir, in reference to your paragraph in your yesterday's issue, relating to our having seen a sea monster, answering to the popular notion of a sea serpent, I am prepared to vouch for the correctness of the statement already made to you by the doctor and a passenger by my ship. Being on the bridge at the time about 10 a.m. with the first and third officers, we were surprised by the appearance of an extraordinary monster going in our course at an equal speed with the vessel at a distance from us about 600 feet it had a square head and a dragon black and white striped tail and an immense body which was quite 50 feet broad when the monster raised it the head was about 12 feet broad and appeared to be occasionally at the extreme about six feet above the water when the head was placed on a level with the water the body was extended to its utmost limit to all appearance and then the body rose out of the water about two feet and seemed quite 50 feet broad at those times the long dragon tail with black and white scales afterwards rose in an uh, undulating motion in which at one time the head at another the body and eventually the tail formed each in its turn a prominent object above the water the animal or whatever it may be called appeared careless of our proximity and went went our course for about six minutes on our starboard side, and then finally worked around to our port side and remained in view to the delight of all on board for about half an hour. His length was reckoned to be be over 200 feet. John W. Webster, Singapore Commander, SS Nestor, 18th of September, 1876. Mr. Cameron, proprietor of the journal, subsequently informed me that he had specially warned Captain Webster of the certain doubt that would be cast upon his statement but he still insisted on its pu- on its publication it was confirmed by mr h.r beaver a merchant of singapore and other persons who were passengers by the boat the same newspaper the straits times overland journal on november 2nd 1876 had the following extract from the china mail it is more than probable that Captain webster of the steamer neps uh, nester the steamer Nestor, will be interviewed they put, quote, interviewed very extensively when he reaches a berth in London docks. A genuine sea serpent is not met with every day. And as the observ- observations made by the officers of the ship have, we understand, been sent down in some formal way before Council Midhurst at Shanghai to be forwarded to the field, the naturalists will be in a position to pursue their researches when the captain arrives. Competent authorities are now of opinion that the part of the monster formerly supposed to have been its head must have been a hump, and that its heads being underwater would account for the supreme contempt with which it treated the passengers of the steamer. The undulating motion of the huge animal would explain the statement that this knob or hump rose occasionally about six feet out of the water. The alternate yellow-black stripes, which covered all that could be seen of the body, appeared to have conveyed the impression that the tail was like that of a dragon covered with scales, although that conclusion need not necessarily be looked upon as certain. If they, Everyone wants to know if they have scales and they're like, yeah, we think it has scales, but we're not sure. If the head of this unknown shape was actually underwater, then the length becomes proportionately greater. It was over 200 feet long before, it must now be regarded as measuring say 250 feet, which with 45 or 50 feet being Gives a Leviathan a something like the dimension of an old fashioned frigate. A correspondent of the Celestial Empire of Shanghai wrote this uh, thus to the journal Sir, if it is true that one of those who observed the marine monster from the Nestor is still here, it is very desirable that he should give some fuller account of what he saw. Only a, sco- a scholist or a scholar, I suppose, will deny the possibility of such a beast. And Professor Owen himself has remarked that the only absolutely incredible part of the accounts of those who have seen it is the statement of its vertical sinuosity, which is impossible to any of the serpent tribe. The monster seen by the Nestor, however, was probably one of the uh, uh, Kilo Nidae, the father of all the turtles, as he is fitly called by the natives of Sumatra, who fully believe in his existence and to whom he occasionally appears. Indeed. Baumgarten, in his Malaysian, published in Amsterdam in 1825 in 1829 excuse me, describes the monster and estimates its length and breadth at 120 and 30 cubits respectively. measurements which agree very nearly with those given by Captain Webster. Baumgarten adds that it is a general belief in Sumatra that whosoever sees him will die within the year. This he says naively enough, I have not been able to prove. Mr. David Aiken of Singapore wrote to the Daily Times as follows. Dear Sir, like many others, I have been astonished at the dimensions given by you of the sea serpent. They are certainly enormous, and they far surpass anything I have ever seen or heard of. The largest snake ever I authentically heard about was one which passed between the surveying brigs Krishna and Minx when under the command of Lieutenant Ward of the Indian Navy when surveying off the coast of Sumatra about the years 1858 and 1859. This monster passed by the brig's one Sunday morning when they were moored somewhere opposite Malacca. Its length was variously estimated at, at from the length of the Krishna to 100 feet. 60 feet was the moderate length set down for its frame. In or near the same place, another monster had been seen by a previous surveying party. Mr. Stephen Cave, MP uh, for Shoreham in 1861, communicated to Mr. Gose a short statement which throws some light upon the food of the monster. It is in the form of an extract from his journal written during a voyage to the West Indies in 1846 as follows. Thursday, December 10th, off Madeira, on board RMS Thomas, or second I thought I was gonna say the RMS Titanic, I don't know why, maybe it's getting late, made acquaintance with a Captain Christmas, that's a fun name, Captain Christmas of the Danish Navy, a proprietor in santa cruz and holding some office about the danish court he told me he once saw a sea serpent between iceland and the faroe islands he was lot li- so fascinating how they're like in these tropical environments like china and then um all the way there in iceland too in norway he was lying to in a gale of wind in a frigate of which he had the command when an immense shoal of porpoises rushed by the ship as it pursued, and to and behold, a creature with a neck moving like that of a swan, about the thickness of a man's waist, with a head like a horse, there's a head like the horse again, raised itself slowly and gracefully from the deep, and seeing the ship, it immediately disappeared again, head foremost like a duck diving. He only saw it for a few seconds. The part above the water seemed about 18 feet in length, he is a singularly intelligent man and by no means one to allow his imagination to run away with him. That's the first time I think, I think, that we've seen them hunting porpoises, which would make total sense. Uh, they would, you know, go for something that big if they could, right? Winnie journalists had a good time over the publication of the story of The Serpent Seen by Captain Drevar, with which I shall wind up my list of apparitions. As will be seen, however. The captain stuck manfully to his guns, and I, for one, am of the belief that he really saw the incident which he narrates. I have not met the captain himself, but I did, in Singapore, meet with many who had heard the whole story from his own lips, and whose impression was that he was a truthful man. All right. The, uh, the uh, uh, Bark Pauline Sea Serpent. The Pauline Sea Serpent. To so the editor of the Calcutta Englishman. sir as i am not sure that my statement respecting the sea serpent reached the shipping gazette in london i enclosed a copy that may be interesting to your numerous readers i have been sent plenty of extracts from english papers nearly all of them ridiculing my statement i can laugh and joke on the subject as well as anyone but i can't see why people can't fairly refute my statement they should use falsehood to do so the daily telegraph says The ribs of the ill-fated fish were distinctly heard cracking one after the other with a report like that of a small cannon its bellowing ceased Uh, to use the eloquent word of the principal spectator it struck us all aghast with terror if the writer knew anything of sailors he would not write such a bosh fear and terror are not in jack's composition and such eloquent words he leaves to us correspondence as described the ever-doubtful man and dog fight. I am just as certain of seeing what I described as that I met the uh, advertisement that the telegraph has the largest circulation in the world staring me at every street corner in London. It is easy for such a paper to make any man good, great, or interesting look ridiculous. Little wonder is is it that my relatives write saying that they would have seen a hundred sea serpents and never reported it. And the lady also wrote that she pitied anyone that was related to anyone that had seen the sea serpent it is quite true that it is a sad thing for any man to see more to feel more and to know more than his fellows isn't that interesting like can you guys relate to this I mean I've never seen a sea serpent but the idea that um you know people who have these experiences that go out of the norm or knowledge that goes out of the norm right you're ridiculed for it to no end But I have some of the philosophy that made O'Connell rejoice in being the most abused man in the United Kingdom. Wow, that's pretty intense. For he also had the power of giving a person a lick with the rough side of his tongue. If I had any such any such power, I would not use it. For contempt is the sharpest reproof, and this letter is the only notice I have taken of the many absurd statements, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. George, master of appalling, and. so this is the sea serpent attacking a whale, as seen by Captain Javar of the Bark Pauline in 1876. And uh, I, mean, I don't know. Is that a sperm whale? I'm not really sure. But uh, wow, that's crazy. And uh, so that's the end of the struggle. Uh, I, I don't know who won. I didn't read that. Looks like the whale's going down. Where's the sea serpent? uh from the Pauline January 8th 1875 this is what we read the weather fine and clear it's 11 a.m uh oh yeah Northeast corner of Brazil distant 20 miles 11 a.m the weather fine and clear the wind and sea moderates observed some black spots in the water and a whitish pillar about 35 feet high above them at the first glance I took all to be breakers as the sea was splashing up fountain like about them and the pillar a pinnacle rock bleached with the sun but the pillar filled a splash and a similar one rose. They rose and fell alternately in quick succession and good glasses showed me it was a monster sea serpent coiled twice around a large sperm whale. Did I call it or not? Sperm whale. The head and tail parts, each about 30 feet long, were acting as levers, twisting itself and victim around with great velocity. They sink out of sight about every two minutes coming to the surface still revolving, and the struggles of the whale and two other whales that were near, frantic with excitement, made the sea in this vicinity like a boiling cauldron, and a loud and confused noise was distinctly heard. The strange occurrence lasted some 15 minutes and finished with the tail portion of the whale being elevated straight in the air, then waving backwards and forwards and uh, lashing the water furiously in the last death struggle, when the whole body disappeared from our view, going down head foremost towards the bottom, where, no doubt, it was gorged at the serpent's leisure. Ugh. And that monster of monsters may have been many ma- months in a state of coma, digesting the huge mouthful. Then two of the largest sperm whales that I have ever seen move slowly then towards the vessel, their bodies more than usually elevated out of the water, not spouting or making the least noise but seeming quite paralyzed with fear indeed a cold shiver went through my own frame on beholding the last agonizing struggle of the poor whale that had seemed as helpless in the coils of the vicious monster as a small bird in the talons of a hawk allowing for two coils round the whale i think the serpent was about 160 or 170 feet long and seven or eight in girth It was in color much like a conger eel, and the head from the mouth being always open appeared the largest part of the body. I think Cape San Roque is a landmark for whales leaving the south for the North Atlantic. I wrote thus far, little thinking I would ever see the sea serpent again. But at 7 a.m., July 13th, in the same latitude and some 80 miles east of San Roque, I was astonished to see the same or a similar monster. It was throwing its head, um, it was throwing its head and about forty feet of its body in a horizontal position, out of the water as it passed out onwards by the stern of our vessel. I began musing why we were so much favoured with such a strange visitor, and concluded that the band of white paint, two feet wide above the copper, might have looked like a fellow serpent to it, and no doubt attracted its attention. While thus thinking. I was startled by the cry of, there it is again. And a short distance to leeward, elevated some 60 feet in the air, was the great Leviathan grimly looking towards the vessel. As I was not sure it was only our free board it was viewing, we had all our axes ready and were fully determined, should the brute embrace the Pauline, to chop away for its backbone with all our might. And the wretch might have found for once in its life that it had caught a tartar, what this, <laughs> and I caught a Tartar. I was not waiting, but I was not expecting that. Hmm. This, this statement, we had a Tartar sighting, everyone. This statement is strictly true, and the occurrence was witnessed by my officers, half the crew, and myself. And we are ready at any time to testify on oath that it is so, and that we are not in the least mistaken a vessel about three years ago, was dragged over by some sea monster in the Indian Ocean. George Drevar, Master of the Pauline, January 15th, 1876. Captain George Drevar of the Pauline appeared on Wednesday morning at the police court, Dale Street, before Mr. Raffles, stipendary magistrate, accompanied by some of his officers and part of the crew of the, of the bark when they made the following declaration. We, the undersigned captain officers and crew of the Pauline of London, do solemnly and sincerely declare that on July 18th, 1875, in latitude 5 degrees 13, longitude 35 west, we observed three large sperm whales, and one of them was gripped around the body with two turns of what appeared to be a large serpent. The head and tail appeared to have a length beyond the coils of about 30 feet and its girth 8 or 9 feet. The serpent whirled its victim round and round for about 15 minutes and then suddenly dragged the whale to the bottom head first. And those are all the people that have signed it there. Again, on July 13th, a similar sea serpent was seen about 200 yards off, shooting itself along the surface, head and neck uh, being out of the water several feet. This was seen only by the captain and one ordinary seaman. A few moments after, it was seen elevated some 60 feet in the air by the chief officer. I mean, this would go up to the, the crow's nest. I mean, that would just, that had to be terrifying to see. And the following able seamen Horatio Thompson, Owen Baker, William Lewin. And we make the solemn declaration cons- conscientiously believing the same to be true. There they all sign it again. Some confirmation of Captain Drevar's stories afforded by one quoted by the Reverend Henry T. Cheves in the Well and His Captors, the author says the following. From a statement made by Kindbeck Shipmaster in 1818 and sworn to before a justice of the peace in Kindbeck Country, County, Maine, it would seem that the notable sea serpent and whale are sometimes found in conflict. At six o'clock in the afternoon, June 21st, in the Packet Delia, flying between Boston and Hallowell, when Cape Ann bore west-southwest about two miles, steering north-northeast, Captain Shubach West and 15 others on board with him saw an object directly ahead, which he had no doubt was the sea serpent or the creature so often described under that name, engaged in fight with a large whale. The serpent threw up its tail from 25 to 30 feet in a perpendicular direction, striking the whale by it with tremendous blows, rapidly repeated, which were distinctly heard and very loud for two or three minutes. They then both disappeared, moving in a southwest direction, but after a few minutes reappeared in shore of the packet and about under the sun, the reflection of which was so strong as to prevent their seeing so distinctly as the first, when the serpent's fearful blows with his tail were repeated and clearly heard as before. They again went down for a short time, and then came up to the surface under the packet's larboard porter, the whale appearing first, and the serpent in pursuit, who was again seen to shoot up his tail as before, which he held out of water for some time, waving it in the air before striking, and at the same time his head 15 or 20 feet, as if taking a view of the surface of the sea. After being seen in this position a few minutes, the serpent and whale again disappeared and neither was seen after by many on board. It was Captain West's opinion that the whale was trying to escape as he spouted, but once at a time on coming to the surface. And the last time he appeared, he went down before the serpent came up. Oh, wow. It's just, there's a the picture of it there. So the serpent literally lifted the whale up and was like smacking him down. All right, there he is oh wow all right a remarkable and independent independent corroboration of modern dates uh okay so that um i'm gonna actually end there with that um we're an hour into this and i'm gonna just finish this next week um spread this out over three videos and um i don't know i hope you guys are enjoying this because i sure am enjoying this and uh some incredible stories so um yeah shabbat shalom one more time guys thank you for staying up with me for those of you who have been here for the late late show and again we'll do this next week see you guys around if I can turn this off